1: Welcome, everybody, to Podcast Unlocked. It's IGN's weekly Xbox show, episode 477 for January 12th, 2021. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. I've got the full crew-assembled Voltron. There's not missing any arms or anything this week. Uh, Miranda Sanchez, hello. Hi, Hello. Destin Legary, good morning. Bam. Good morning, everybody. Oh, that was a very, a very, like cheery bam. bam good morning everyone <laughs> and uh, happy new year brennan tyrell we missed you last week my friend glad to have you back
2: bam
0: good morning <laughs> Sorry, i don't have the energy this and those but hi how is everyone Just keep
1: chugging that coffee i saw yeah, you man
0: we're doing our good work over here <laughs> that's
1: a lot well uh we are back in action the xbox year is back in full swing and in fact while last week was maybe a little quiet, I mean, we did have fun doing, kind of going over those 10 Xbox exclusives that are due out this year. Uh, the news is back in full swing uh, this this week, which we'll get to in a second. First, I wanted to mention uh, real quick, if you are a fan of, or if you need a new Xbox Series X slash S controller and the black or white's not for you, there is a new Pulse Red controller, which is uh, red on the front, white on the back, cool buttons, and it's kind of really, I would call it the Super (laughs) Mario-themed Xbox controller, but it does look really good, so you can find that in stores now if you're interested in a new Series X controller. And then real quick as well, uh, I wanted to mention Hitman 3 is coming up really soon, January 20th. That's one of what I would say two major releases this month, the second being The Medium, which is a next-gen Exclusive for Xbox Series X and Series S only and that's out on the 28th. I told you about it. I had my preview for that last week. Well, this week uh, or well Friday, I got to preview po- post my preview of Hitman 3 and I super liked it. And I reviewed two a couple of years ago and I, I think I gave it a seven something and it was it was good. But this boy, I played Mission One three different times in three different ways. And this really feels like a a step forward. So if you need your stealth fix, as I do, and Splinter Cell continues to forsake us, Hitman 3 might be uh, the game for you. Keep an eye out for that. And check out my preview on IGN or YouTube. All right, let's get right to it with the crew here. Uh, Destin, Star Wars games are uh, not the only thing, which we'll talk about in a minute, that are going to be branded under this. But it's not just going to be... Star Wars with the EA label on it anymore. Instead, they've created they've resurrected the Lucasfilm Games label, which all yep. of the Star Wars games are going are gonna to go under. Uh, Lucasfilm Games is now the official identity, the press release reads, for all gaming titles from Lucasfilm, a name that encompasses the company's rich catalog of video games and its eye toward the future. What do you make of this, Destin? And, and what's your initial reaction to it? Um...
3: I mean, it just seems like, like you have here written in the notes, and that's largely what I think. The EA exclusivity deal on Star Wars games is ending, and um, they're going to start licensing in a different way, right? So, <clears throat> um, I'm not sure what that means. I honestly don't know. I saw this; it was one of our biggest stories, and I don't really get why it's a big deal. It's just <clears throat> uh, Disney is taking back <laughs> and bringing back the Lucasfilm games, logo to co-develop or work on star wars franchises again so sounds great to me i don't really know what to think about i don't have a strong reaction sorry
1: (laughs) but that's okay i mean that's it's i think a lot of people are are it's a nostalgia play number one like that and that's by design that's it's it's getting people like me that that remember the the actual original lucasfilm days because and it wasn't just dark forces published under lucasfilm it wasn't just jedi knight it wasn't just x-wing versus tie fighter it was the secret of monkey island and it was full throttle and it was these different uh point and click adventures and other and some indiana jones games which hold that thought we'll get to that in a second but uh but i do think as you noted i think it's probably laying the groundwork for the future where where ea won't necessarily be the ones that are exclusively publishing star wars games because for i've had a lot of people ask me this the best I can find on online is twenty uh, third. Excuse me, twenty twenty three, not twenty thirty three. That would be quite a long deal. Uh, but we've got another two years or so of the the EA Star Wars deal, unless it got quietly extended. Which I think, if it, if they if they were to have extended it, they probably wouldn't keep it quiet. That would probably be announced in the same way that. EA announces every time they extend the NFL agreement for Madden. But uh, but I, I think this is probably laying the groundwork for the future. Uh, Brandon Tyrell, what's what's your take on the revival of Lucasfilm for the new umbrella here? You know, I'm
0: kind of in Destin's camp with this, where I think it's smart and I think you're right that it's laying the groundwork to retake ownership of, you know, Lucas-owned properties and, and basically everything Disney. Um, I don't have a super strong reaction to it. I think it's cool um that you know that brand is back because I do remember it, but I I never had a lot of familiarity with it when I was yeah. uh coming up in the in my video gamedom. So um I, I think it's cool and, and I do again, I do think it's laying the groundwork for them to work with a ton of other talented studios as we might see soon. Um but yeah, it's it's a it's a cool news story, but I I you know it doesn't doesn't really hit too hard for me.
1: Miranda, will you uh, will you for, <laughs> tug on your heartstrings at all to see the Lucasfilm logo back on the box? Or will it make I a difference for you? It.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, I think more in line with you of the excitement of just the nostalgia of the point-and-click adventures because those are something that I really love. And I feel like we don't have enough of those these days. So I, I would love to see them, of course, expand the opportunities that they have for different Lucas properties. Because I think, if anything, this says to me, Oh, you didn't forget about those other things you have in your catalog, as we will see in the next story, which we keep alluding to. And thank goodness (laughs) they announced that before the show. Uh, Because honestly, I think this would have been a little bit of a less interesting story without it. But um, I think the proof is already there in what they're trying to do with this and say, hey, yes, Star Wars is very important to us, obviously, when you think Lucas, you think Star Wars, but there are other things that come with that. And I think to make that name further having this brand for their other games that they have coming is going to be a good point for them.
1: To your point, Miranda, just uh, cause I'll, I'll tell the audience this every week if we have to <laughs> speaking of point and click adventure games and you say we need more of them in the world. If, if our audience out there has not played one or more or all of these games on game pass are three <laughs> Tim Schaefer classic point and click games uh, all remastered they all look great play great sound great day of the tentacle remastered full throttle remastered and that's my favorite tim Schafer game ever and grim fandango remastered which is my favorite generally regarded yes as the, as the best of them all um, i i think i if I, I would recommend people start with full throttle it's short it, it's shorter than the others it's hilarious and it's it's also beautiful even in uh, whether you're playing with the remastered graphics or the originals. It was a pretty, very pretty game at the time. But um, if you if you just want to take the big bite and dive right in, then and Grim Fandango uh, could be the one you want to start with. Although Grim is, it's funny, but it's not as outright funny as the other two, but they are all excellent and they're all on Game Pass. All right. Uh, what we've been alluding to is the other, the sort of part two, because what happened was at the beginning of the week, Monday, this got announced, the, the Lucasfilm thing. And then Tuesday, which is today as we sit to record, there was a much bigger and more surprising announcement uh, of the, well, the first game announced for, first new game announced for the Lucasfilm uh, umbrella. It won't necessarily be the first one that releases because it's barely underway by the sound of it. But Indiana Jones is back in video game form and it's from Bethesda. And specifically Machine Games, the makers of the phenomenal Wolfenstein first-person shooters, the, the revival of Wolfenstein that they have so so expertly done over the last what five, six years or so. And Todd Howard, the Todd father, he of Elder <laughs> Scrolls and Fallout fame, will be executive producing this. Uh so it'd be Machine Games doing the the you know the bulk of the day-to-day work, but Todd is gonna be overseeing this. And uh, Miranda, I'm going to go right back to you actually here. What, what do you, this is, this was a big shock. Was it not that
2: yeah, a, an
1: Indiana Jones game and B that it's, that it's machine
2: Bethesda. Game, yeah. Bethesda and machine games specifically, because like when I think them, I think awesome first person shooters, right? I've like we'll got Wolfenstein. I think I'd love your note about it. It's like, obviously they really hate Nazis. So that's a perfect <laughs> mix. But I was just like, oh, I wonder what this game is going to look like in their hands. And honestly, if we look at like the, the atmosphere and like just the scope of games right now, like Uncharted is kind of kind of done in a way. Like they've sort of wrapped what that is. Tomb Raider is still doing its thing, and those were the two sort of adventure um Indiana Jones s games, right? Like those. You can probably argue
1: through. is Tomb Raider even still going at this point? Since
2: well, yeah, the last <laughs> one. I mean, like yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard <laughs> to I mean, say. And they so on the
0: trilogy, yeah. Right. Yeah,
2: yeah. And honestly I thought maybe an obvious choice if they were ever going to do an Indiana Jones game, it would make sense to go with like Crystal Dynamics or even Naughty Dog if they were to like, hey, you guys want to do this cool property? Um, but to do machine games, that's more exciting to me because I think they've already proven how they can make fantastic games and this is their chance to say, Here's another kind of story based game, but maybe in a different perspective. Quite and,
1: uh, now, <laughs> Machine has has to, up to date worked with id tech with with id software's you know doom engine, uh, the id tech id tech to my knowledge has not yet been used for a third person game, uh, but uh, there's no way this would be a first
3: person Indiana Jones game, right? I have no idea what to expect from an Indiana Jones game. I'm actually <laughs> kind of surprised that they would even align with that IP. When's when's the last time we got an Indiana Jones thing? Like thank Christmas. you. Crystal Skull, right? Uh, Well, the, the Lego games, Lego Indiana.
2: Yeah, Jones. the Lego Which games were good. I just like to think, what if they make the ride, like the Disney ride? Because yeah. that's my favorite Indiana Jones thing is so, the Disney ride.
3: It's, it's so bizarre to me that, okay, great. Todd Howard's working on it. And like they have a killer team developing this. Indiana Jones? Really? It's yeah. so 1990, 1980? <laughs> you know yeah they are shooting <laughs> I mean, Indy 5 with with
1: harrison ford right now are they really
3: oh, oh yeah I know
1: that. that film is happening it's the director of logan oh okay is, is uh is it's like, james Mangold? My, i believe his name is
0: it's gonna be like an old man indie you
3: think yeah it, it, it not i think it is i mean it's this is it <laughs> okay. I, I like it's, indiana jones like as a character i'm just like is the is this still a thing that people are vying for? It's so, just so, it's so left field to me.
0: Yeah. That, that was my exact reaction, Destin. It is. I saw the news this morning and I was like, okay, that's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> uh, for, you know, guys like us, right. In, in our thirties. Um, I don't know if Indiana Jones is, is like, a, <laughs> carries the same cultural weight for, for the younger generation, you know, like To Miranda's point, I think the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland might be more of a cultural touchstone than Raiders of the Lost Ark or Temple of Doom uh, or or maybe even the Lego games. It's it's just it's such a strange it's such as in the same way I look at Master Chief, like for a long time, Master Chief was it. Right. That was the Xbox mascot. But there's a whole generation who's never played like a quote unquote must play Halo game. So I I don't know. This is so weird. Go ahead
2: uh crystal skull is my first indiana jones movie oh
0: no oh yeah. no Miranda, how you, how do you oh feel that's despite, not okay oh, the I'm movie so says afraid. you cannot climb into a fridge and survive a nuclear blast that doesn't work
2: thank you for letting me know
0: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> how do you feel about indiana jones brandon so, huh like the, if crystal original- skull was your first entry into the series like do you have any sort of special connection with the indiana jones franchise
2: no. <laughs> no, but no, your... i think maybe just to speak to I, mean, I can't speak for everyone who's maybe in a similar perspective to me but i think that's maybe why i'm interested in it because i think this is their chance to sort of like take what that franchise was or is and renew it in a way that makes it maybe more interesting
1: the same way they did for wolfenstein right
2: exactly I think, with, I think there's ways to make old things relevant again, but with a new take. I mean, look at it. Like Sex and the City is getting rebooted. And that's only God. like 20 years old, but
3: old, old you know, they're making the, the third movie. They're not rebooting it,
2: right? Huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just movie, a, not a reboot. And Samantha's not even it. in it anyway. It's another so. movie without Tim control. Yeah. I
2: thought they were doing a show.
0: I think they wanted to, but Kim Control put the kabosh on oh, it. So the a movie with anyway, Kim
2: anyway the, <laughs> but the, the point is too. I think there's a chance to make things new again in a way. And while that could be uninteresting, there is a way to make them interesting. And and the the reason I'm so intrigued is because it's machine games. That's yeah, why absolutely. I want to know what this is.
1: And yeah. and I'm with you guys. And it's like so, uh, showing my age here id's engines the 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 old versions of id tech although they didn't call it id tech back in the day it was the quake engine but like the quake engine was absolutely malleable and there were third person games made with it even though it was originally conceived as, as first person thing uh so i do suspect that machine games probably will use id tech for this unless there's some extreme limiting factor of the current version of the engine uh but but they do have a lot of experience working on id tech so i suspect it'll it'll be a tech which means it'll look good and run really well cuz that is i think if you look at at the last you know the last two doom games it is a very i think i say as a as a as a layman who's not a programmer not a video game expert like in the in the production sense it seems to be like a very efficient engine it's it, it's it's like lean and mean it looks good it runs great so i'll bet they are going to use id tech i'll bet they're going to make it first a uh, third person because i just can't see a, a first person indie game that just that's a i think that might be a bridge too far for this license but um fun fact that that again showing my age uh, going Sorry. back to my, my early oxm days we had a game come in Well, actually, let me i'll just back up a tad there was a developer called the collective and these guys earned a pretty good reputation for themselves because they made a third person action adventure out of Buffy. There was a Buffy the vampire slayer game for the original Xbox by the collective. That was really good. Like it was a, it was just a game that, you know, that was in the days too, when most licensed games, like almost every licensed game was bad. And this was a really good Buffy game. And then that developer, uh, in two thousand three, released Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, which is the which is what's on the screen behind me. I, it's on the Xbox Store. It's backward. It appears to be backwards compatible because you can just buy it off of the Xbox Store. So there it is. It's a uh, you know it's a third person game, and that game, Emperor's Tomb, was the last what I would say serious triple A big budget. Indiana Jones game there was there was one Other one a few years later Which did come out on the 360 but it was It was primarily a handheld game it was For uh, DS and PSP and it got A 360 port and then we did Mention the Lego Indiana Jones games but those Are kind of you know those are their own Branch of the tree They're not like a they're not like this Was where it's it's trying to be like a serious Indiana Jones action Adventure and The reason I bring that up not only to to illustrate all of your points about how long it's been since indie's really been in the in the pop culture spotlight in in movies or in games, but also uh, just a fun fact as we segue into the next portion of this discussion, that game Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb by the Collective was a timed Xbox exclusive. It came out on the original Xbox on February 24th, 2003. Uh, And then it came to PC one month later, and then it came to PS2 in June. So uh, it was about a four-month timed exclusive, console-wise, from the last one. And that brings us to the obvious key question here. Because this is a Bethesda game, and Microsoft now owns Bethesda, will this Indiana Jones game be exclusive completely, exclusive timed-wise, uh, not at all. What do you guys think? I'm going to go to Brandon first on this.
0: Well, the real question is, <clears throat> are we going to get sued? Because we just showed about 30 seconds of Temple of Doom footage. <laughs> I, I don't know the rules, but it doesn't... Uh, I, I, we'll
1: we'll be fine. I'm sure we'll be fine. I'm sure we'll be fine. If not, I'm pointing... It's it's our producer, John Borba's fault. It's not, yeah. I think no responsibility. John's on
0: the hook. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, my gut says it's probably not exclusive, but um, like we say, every time one of these stories comes up right i mean we for like three weeks last year we talked about what this could mean about bethesda exclusivity uh there's just not enough real data (laughs) to to form a um, an educated opinion on the situation so um my gut says it'll probably be multi-platform right be just because of all the different moving parts that are in there and to bring up your great point that the you know these deals take a while, and this was obviously in the works before the acquisition. That's not even final yet, so I imagine this is probably one of those games in the in the wave that still hits all consoles before um, you know Microsoft really puts the clamps down on games coming out of Bethesda as uh, exclusives. But I will say that you know if this hits Xbox and PlayStation Five, um, I am sorry, Series X and PlayStation Five, I got to imagine like it's Day One Game Pass anyway, right? So at you know that's the same that's the same play that they run with most of their first party exclusives so it doesn't really feel like you're missing much there
1: uh destin how about you what do you where do you weigh in so we 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 see where brandon stands on this what do you think exclusive timed not at all what do you say i,
3: I don't think this one will be exclusive i think exclusivity will start coming into play around the time starfield is released whenever that is because it's so far out that um i don't think that they were they were obviously in development, but I don't think they were far enough where they would be concerned about not releasing it on a platform. So time will tell, but I, I don't think Indiana Jones is going to be the game because they have a trailer for it. And it seems like mm-hmm. it's it's pretty close to being published. Um, yeah, so not this one would be my We're, we're
1: going to talk more about Starfield later in the show in the loot box, in fact. Uh, Now, Miranda. All right. So we've got a couple of of votes here and neither neither of your fellow panelists thus far thinks there will be any sort of exclusivity. How about you?
2: the panel here, I don't think it'll be exclusive, Uh, although I think we are expecting that to happen down the line, just as everyone else has said, probably not this one.
1: And that's and that is the million dollar question. So I I agree with Brennan completely that I think the worst case scenario for the, with this for Xbox players is that it will almost certainly be day 1 on Game Pass, which which is a pretty good deal if you're an Xbox owner. Guess what? You don't have to pay 60 or perhaps even 70 bucks to get this game. Uh so there's that. But you know, I know a lot of people out there would point to Spider-Man What do you guys think of that? I mean, Spider-Man, kind of a similar deal where you had a a platform holder and you had Disney, again, same same corporate owner, and yet the PlayStation got Spider-Man exclusively. Destin?
3: I mean, are you talking about them getting Spider-Man with Insomniac or them getting Spider-Man with the Avengers game or just the Disney... Well, no. Uh, with, sorry,
1: Insomniac. Yes, uh, Mar- Marvel Spider-Man, the Insomniac games. You know, some pe- people out there would say, "Well, why can't Indiana Jones be Xbox exclusive in the same way that Spider-Man is with uh, with with
3: PlayStation?" I mean, it could be, but I mean, if you're going to fight for an exclusive character, is Indiana Jones really the one that you're really worried about? Like Wolverine <laughs> being exclusive to Xbox would be really cool, you know. But like Indiana Jones, oh. I, it just feels like a cross-platform game to me. Yeah. And like design-wise, they're probably just going to go like the Uncharted route, right? So I hope not, uh,
0: man. I hope not.
3: Well, it's not going to be first person. That would just be no. Like I discussed that earlier. So yeah, I agree It'll be too. third person. Like just based on the trailer, there's a lot of like little clues about exploring Rome and stuff in there, so that's really cool. But um, I just, I just don't feel like this is the big plant our flag in the ground. We're doing exclusive games on Xbox now. Game that uh, Bethesda is going to be launching with. It's for me. I'm like, it's all signs point to Starfield for that. It will not be indie. Could it be? Yeah. To, To answer your question, Ryan, though, could it be? Yes. Yeah. Will it be? I really don't think so. It just doesn't feel like the game to start it.
1: I, I think, yeah, we're we're definitely going to talk more about Starfield uh, in a bit. Yeah. Brandon, go ahead.
0: I think you also have to take into account the Spider-Man situation in that it was developed for, it was developed by a either second party or first party, depending on right. when it was, when development started and, and whether Insomniac was acquired by then or not. Um and I, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think like, I'm sure Disney has people knocking on their door saying, hey, we want to bring Spider-Man to, to a big video game. Um, so m- maybe it was a situation of, you know, the Marvel team looking and saying like, holy crap, Insomniac has something that's incredible. Yeah. This will definitely do Spider-Man justice. And if that's the case, then Sony owning the development studio with the big idea might make a, an easier case for that being exclusive. Again, I have no idea, it, but it, it, it just seems like everything kind of worked together and they were like, well, yeah, I mean, you're going to make a great Spider-Man
1: game. I don't really care where well, it is. Number one, they they could literally sh- have shown them in the pitch meeting, Sunset Overdrive, ironically. Yeah. The yeah. Xbox exclusive to say, look, we can do this open world traversal with Spider-Man and make it really great. And number two, uh, there is that, there is that uh, business relationship With Sony on the movie side, too, with with Spider-Man movies there. So it's probably not, I guess my my point is it's probably not quite uh, an apples-to-apples comparison. Uh, It's fair to bring up, but yeah, I I think you make a good point.
3: You bring up Sunset Overdrive and a lot of the technology created for Sunset Overdrive was later utilized in the Spider-Man game. And Insomniac has continued to refine that engine and technology that they've been building behind the scenes to improve the, the Spider-Man franchise. So absolutely um, a game of the caliber that Spider-Man <laughs> has showcased could be created on the Xbox platform. So not that anybody was doubting that, but just the fact that Sunset Overdrive originally Xbox was, um, has built the foundation to create something like Spider-Man is definitely something interesting, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think anyone's saying it's a, it's a hardware thing. I think it's more just the people who have the know-how to do a good Spider-Man game happen to be owned by Sony, and the pitch came from them. Again, this is all speculation. Who sure. knows? But
1: Yeah. No. no, that's fair. And and uh, I'm going to make it actually four for four. I'm, I'm with you guys. I I don't think this will be an exclusive because I suspect like Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop also yeah. you know the, under the Bethesda umbrella I suspect this Indiana Jones deal was made prior to the Microsoft acquisition now does that mean things can't change of course not like things could change the deals can be amended uh, I think there's a there's a the best chance of of exclusivity with Xbox on this Indiana Jones game would be like a one year timed exclusive similar to what Ghostwire and Deathloop are doing, uh, but I, I think I certainly think this indie game will come to PlayStation eventually. Uh, but I'm with you guys. I think it's probably going to just be a multi-platform game. But day uh, day one on Xbox Game Pass, which will be pretty darn sweet for for Xbox owners. So instead of you know PlayStation owners will have to fork over 60 bucks for it, or again maybe 70. But if you're on Xbox and you're a Game Pass subscriber, which you we certainly recommend that you should be. Uh, you just download it and you're done and you can spend your 60, 70 bucks on another game. But um,
2: I will say that is such a big deal for me still. It's like, is it day one on Game Pass? Perfect. That's like the <laughs> biggest thing I care about these days. It's like, is it on Game Pass? Do I really need to play it right now? Maybe later.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, I, Miranda, I, I wanted to just finish this by going back to your point. I think you made such an excellent observation with, because I'm with you that the, this was this was such kind of a, in a way, an unlikely pairing. You know, Indiana Jones and machine games. That I, like you, am fascinated to see what they do with this, given the given their track record of of reinventing Wolfenstein. Uh, indie has been gone from the video game scene again. Yes, there's the Lego games, but arguably, like indie was made it, Lego Indiana Jones was was a lego game first and an indiana jones game second. This will be a reimagining of of what an indiana jones game is. We we arguably haven't had a big indiana jones game since as i said, uh, indy and the emperor's tomb from 2003. So by the time this game comes out, 20 years will have gone by between mainline like big budget triple a indiana jones games. So Um, It's going to be really, really uh, interesting to see this. And we do know, at the very least, it's going to debut at Microsoft's E3 press conference, (laughs) whatever, or or Microsoft's stage somewhere in whatever, you know, whichever show or or event they choose to unveil it. But that'll be, uh, it it sounds like we won't get to see it for a while. The announcement said, hey, we're not... We'll talk more about this later, but for now, we're just excited to say it, to 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 announce it, which to me said they didn't want it to leak. They, yeah. <laughs> they wanted to get out ahead of any potential leaks on this, and more power to them for that. All right, <laughs> next up this week, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to check out this Bloomberg oral history of the original Xbox, which is a really fascinating read. I highly recommend everybody go check it out. But uh, a little, a little particular nugget out of there, which was probably my favorite section of what was a pretty long piece that interviewed a number of key people. I mean, there was uh, you had Seamus Blackley, of course, in there, the creator of the original Xbox. You had some former Microsoft executives in there. Uh, Jay Allard, they they got a hold of, which I I tip my cap to because I've been trying to pin that guy down for an interview for years. I can't even get a hold of him. Uh, anyway, check that out, but. The, the, the part of it that's interesting to me is that back when Microsoft was first building the original Xbox, they tried to jumpstart that whole operation by making some big acquisitions, if that sounds familiar. <laughs> Go figure. The history, history repeating itself only more successfully now because uh, here are the names that, that Microsoft went after unsuccessfully. Hmm. First, they went after EA. EA told them no thanks. They also went after Square, uh, which I'll I'll talk about in a second. They went after Midway, and then they they went after Nintendo. So uh, check this out. So the first company approached was EA, which due to its dominance in the industry at the time, team members at Microsoft apparently called EA the Snow White to the rest of the industry's seven dwarves, which is a funny little anecdote. I praise Yes, and then because uh, oh, that so was that really means, that was before Activision that, had had become so uh, a juggernaut. Yeah.
2: Excuse me. Thank you. Sorry. I don't. Really, uh, I don't
3: really get the analogy, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll, well, we'll just keep moving, Dustin. <laughs> so you see, she's the belle of the ball, and the rest of them
1: are dwarves—literal dwarves.
0: Thank you. For her. Her. They, yeah. they yeah.
2: contribute in their own special way, but they're not as pretty as Snow White or <laughs> important.
1: And one of them likes to sleep a lot, and one of them's grouchy and sneezes. You know,
2: <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so
1: then Microsoft. So after after EA, and this is according to the at the time head of business development, Bob McBreen, who was one of the people interviewed for this piece. He said, um, uh, Steve Ballmer made us go meet with Nintendo to see if they would consider being acquired. Uh, oh, sorry, that quote's actually Kevin Backus, who was the third party relationship director. Kevin says, they just laughed their asses off. Like, imagine an hour of somebody just laughing at you. That was kind of how that meeting went, end quote. Um, (laughs) And apparently they met more than once with uh, McBreen saying, quote, we actually had Nintendo in our building in January of 2000 to work through the details of a joint venture where we gave them all the technical specs of the Xbox. The pitch was... Their hardware stunk, and compared to PlayStation, it did. So the idea was, listen, you're much better at the game portions of it with Mario and all that stuff. Why don't you let us take care of the hardware? But it didn't work out. Uh, end quote. And then on the Square side, Square, that that acquisition attempt, went as far as Microsoft providing a letter of intent to buy the company, which, you know, that's pretty far along in the, in the corporate world. But then... Uh, But then McBreen says, the next day, we're sitting in their boardroom, and they said, our banker would like to make a statement. And basically, the banker said, Square cannot go through with this deal because the price is too low. We packed up, we went home, and that was the end of Square. So, uh, Miranda, can you... Do you feel bad for the Microsoft guys being being laughed at for an hour in a, in, in a room with a Nintendo?
2: Yes, I can imagine being those guys and your boss says, hey, I know this is probably not going to happen, but go do it anyway. And like, I know the dread of just having to go do something just because you have to explore the option. You, you know, it's not going to happen. Like there's the smallest, slimmest possibility of it happening. Um, I think their idea, though, of, of maybe exchanging hardware with them was gonna be w- would have been a good idea. Honestly, Nintendo still has a lot of hardware issues. <laughs> as cool as they are, I think they they do occupy a really interesting space in yeah. in games as far as being innovative and very like family friendly and uh, having poor network conditions. But you know, <laughs> it is what it is. And I think Nintendo, if they would have worked more closely with Xbox, then would look so much more different now. Just imagine Boy, yeah. all those online Smash games you'd have.
1: <laughs> well, you know what's interesting what's that? Is, is, again, this was January of 2000, so uh, almost two years before the uh, the original Xbox launched. Oh. And, of course, we, history remembers that... Uh, Sony also made a bid to partner up with Mike, with Nintendo on hardware. Mm-hmm. Nintendo rejected it, and that led directly to Sony making their own console. And then it kind of happened again. N- Microsoft went to them and said, hey, let's partner up on hardware. Mike, uh, Nintendo said no, and then Microsoft ended up becoming a, a console maker themselves. So Nintendo, I think that's all, all we got to do is get... Uh, if you just go to Nintendo and say, let's work together. And then, and then you end up making a console after it when they say no. But, uh, <laughs> I feel
0: like there's yeah. a Dane Cook movie about that. A but, Dane
2: yeah. Cook movie? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. He's the the last person you date before you get married.
2: Um, it's like, uh, I have this running thing where when my boyfriend gives me a Nintendo handheld, that means we're going to break up soon. No, <laughs> and no. I'm going to keep it, but you know, the on the wall. The writings of the yeah, Nintendo's just ready for that. They're they're just ready for uh, the splits and then success uh, elsewhere.
1: Wait, does uh, th- do Nintendo systems just have bad memories attached to them for you? No. Okay, good. <laughs> it has
2: Pikachu on the front. How could it have a bad memory?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, Destin, what about uh, Square? I mean, because of course Square later went on to merge with IDOS. Yeah. Uh, and, and we have the Square Enix we have now, uh, which, you know, we had Hitman and Deus Ex under that umbrella on the Western side. And of course, they've continued to do uh, Final Fantasy and, and uh, a bunch of cool stuff on the Japanese side would. And, and and I mentioned at the top just briefly Midway too. Midway didn't quite work out, which at the time a game you love, Mortal Kombat was owned yeah. by Midway.
3: Yeah, and they've become NetherRealms since then, and Midway's gone. Midway doesn't exist anymore. So Midway yeah. made sense, and Square actually made a lot of sense. I'm kind of surprised neither of them ended up working out, especially since we currently know the fate of Midway, and who is now owned by Warner Brothers, and Microsoft is again in talks about purchasing, or at least the rumors say, in talks to purchase Warner Brothers, which is currently owned by AT&T, which is since back and said we're going to retain the warner brothers you know brand and everything for gaming um so yeah those two are are particularly interesting because i feel like the the square thing you pointed out how close it was to an acquisition i almost wonder if they would have went back to the table if that would have went through and we would have a different reality and then square has they had some good games and they have a new final fantasy on the way and they have a, a constant revenue stream but they're nowhere near like an EA or an Activision or a Nintendo or any of the major, major brands. I think Square Enix has, they've had a, a little bit of a rough go of it, even with their, their major successes, you know, in the, in the years since this would have taken place. The Nintendo story is rather fascinating to me. I wonder if that says more about Microsoft's arrogance than anything. Cause it's it's just bizarre to me that they would send, because this is before the Xbox was a thing, right? Right, before, oh yeah. So they don't even have a physical product to showcase what the Xbox can do. And they're going to Nintendo and saying, hey, we want to buy you. Um, and Nintendo is basically, like they they use the analogy with EA, but to not also have Nintendo in that realm is is rather strange to me especially during the, this would have been the N64, or end of the N64 era, right? right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So
3: like, that was like the console at the time and Sony sort of starting up their thing as a, as a competitor. It's very, very strange to me that they would have uh, went to Nintendo with this type of uh, proposal. But this, this was the Balmer era, right?
1: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we know anything about Balmers, we know that man dreams big. He, you know, shoot for the shoot for the stars. If you miss, at least you hit the moon. He went out and bought a basketball team after he left Microsoft. So, you know, clear he he's not he's not afraid to at least throw
3: his hat in the ring. So Yeah, yeah just and, like
2: but, try. You know, if they the worst they can do is say no, right? Remember
3: shot. though, Sony yeah. just Sony and Nintendo just went through that whole thing also with the N sixty four. So if you go back a little bit further, that didn't work out. Sony basically told them to f off, right? And then Microsoft comes in and they're like, "No, why do you? Why do these companies keep thinking we're going to partner with you? No, <laughs> how did you get, get this number? Are <laughs> uh, we listed somewhere? And, <laughs> oh, and then it's it's to the point where they're like, "Oh, come on, guys, they invited us to Microsoft, like in Seattle. Right, Let's go keep laugh together. at again. We got to get a bunch of people to go Thank again." Yeah, They're going to do it again, I promise you. Oh, here it comes, here it comes. Okay,
0: everybody laugh. Don't laugh,
1: don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, funny how things kind of come full circle, huh? With Mi- Microsoft did eventually buy an entire major publisher yeah. 20 years later in the form of Bethesda. So they eventually got, they got what they were looking for.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't... I don't think Nintendo just like with their reverence in the industry and everything, it's, <laughs> they're never going to
2: sell to another company. I would be yeah. so, so disappointed if they ever did. Um, as yeah. I was saying kind of earlier there, whenever we look at the, the console whatever, I, I hate that, but it, it's always Sony versus Xbox, right? Like that's, that's what it's like PlayStation versus Xbox. Nintendo is always in its own little thing. It's its own little basket. And I think there's a. It's not that it doesn't get criticism. It's just that it's different in how it approaches gaming as a whole. And I think that's really special. And I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I wanted to see them do that, maybe with more powerful systems. But I thought you
3: were talking about the book console wars, which actually yeah, uh, talks a lot The General
2: about yeah. fandom yeah yeah silliness
0: you're totally right like they 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 own a small niche it's not even small they own a sizable niche in the in the industry at which point is it still a niche i don't know they own a they own they do something that nobody else does that's their territory right and i think the industry is
1: better for that. agree well check out again check out the entire piece on bloomberg.com i think it was a really really great piece there Here's a really weird story that I think just kind of got out of hand. It's, it's actually kind of a nothing story that turned I, into a story. I hated that this was getting so much traction. Wait, uh, well, Destin, saying? please take it away. Go ahead here. I've done enough talking.
3: There, there was talk that Duracell oh, and God. Xbox have an exclusive, so that's why Xbox controllers have batteries. Um, hello? double batteries
1: rather than hello? built-in rechargeables.
3: Oh, oh built-in <laughs> rechargeable? Is that a one or a like two? It's, it's a two. It I love that you,
1: you just yeah. summed up this whole thing in like five seconds. I love you.
3: Yeah, it it was so frustrating to just see that get picked up because it's believable, right? You could actually come to that realization that, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But no, it doesn't because they build <laughs> controllers that have built in batteries. So it's just, no. Yeah.
1: Can, and, can uh, you
2: guys know you can also just plug in your controller without any batteries and it works. Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah, so. yeah.
0: That's how I play mean,
2: with most of the time, which is <laughs> so really connected Actually, my PC.
1: The Elite One still uses batteries. I didn't know that. Yeah, the Elite Two went with the, the internal. But um, yeah. yeah, so it's it basically, uh, this, was, this was a quote from Duracell's UK marketing manager, a gentleman by the name of Luke Anderson, who was speaking to an outlet called Stealth Optional. I don't know what the context was, but, but uh, the Duracell guy, Luke Anderson says, there's always been this partnership with Duracell and Xbox. It's a constant agreement that Duracell and Microsoft have in place. The deal is for OEM to supply, uh, it's an OEM deal to supply the battery product for the Xbox consoles and also the controller battery. So that deal is going to go on for a while. It's been going on for a while, and I think it needs to go for a while more. And basically what happened was uh, the internet, you know, which is a completely sane and reasonable place where (laughs) everyone always you know, acts rationally and thinks everything through before posting. Uh, basically, people just ran with this, took his quote, like misinterpreted and, and took his quote out of context and and somehow thought that that meant, oh, Duracell and Microsoft have a deal where Duracell's paying Microsoft so that uh, there are no internal rechargeable batteries. And that's why the Xbox controllers use just, you know, throw-away AA batteries, which if you just stop for two seconds to think about that, <laughs> it's dumb. And then Destin, thank you for holding up your Series 2 controller, in case for those of you uh, listening on audio, but didn't see on video, Destin just held up his Series 2. In fact, uh, oh, that's that's a regular Series S controller, but yeah, Destin's got his. And, uh... <laughs> it's, no it's, batteries. They have a built-in uh, con- a controller with a built-in rechargeable battery, so... This was all just sort of a ridiculous story, but just in, I, I wanted to talk about it on the podcast just in case you've heard about this. And this is how, like, I mean, this is classic FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And I'm not saying it was intentional. Sometimes FUD is intentional. It's just meant to spread misinformation. And sometimes it's just, you know, it, it's well-intentioned but goes awry. And this is one of those cases where if you heard about this it's, it's literally just a contract that, you know, somebody has to put batteries inside the Xbox boxes and, and the controller boxes, and Microsoft will sign a deal with somebody to supply those. It's Duracell, and that's it.
3: This this story actually opened my eyes to and it's a really good example of how we talk as as gamers to each other about our preferences when it comes to controllers like it seems like a lot of us like internal batteries but when you expand that to the entire audience of millions of users they have data that shows that a lot of people prefer batteries still so like that is a thing a lot of people still prefer that and that is why the Duracell deal has you know continued and they continue to to choose to do it that way so yeah i mean it's just sort of an interesting interesting aspect to the story that that i found coming out of the whole situation a people ran with a a wild thing that's obviously untrue and uh b a lot of people really like batteries which i did not expect (laughs) it's it's hard
0: to change the status quo man like batteries have been a staple in households for gonna say generations and that feels right Um, i would say
2: Sorry, sorry, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no,
0: no. Go, go ahead. I'm just trying to elaborate the point. But yeah, it's oh. it's it's the way it's always been. It's the way why people still love physical media, right? It's why mm-hmm. people don't want an always online console. It's just because it's the status quo. Why people still have cable? There you go.
2: Weird. It's weird to think about that. Um, but also, I guess maybe some somebody is weird to think about just using batteries. I will say too, like there's options to have rechargeable batteries. Like there are stand-ins, and I think. The option itself is nice. It's like, oh, I can still recharge this in some capacity, or like swap it out. But if you need yeah. those other batteries that are toss, something you can just put in and toss, that's still an option. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: there you you buy a giant box of them from from Amazon or Costco or whatever, and they're they're pretty cheap, and they last. They last dozens of hours in the Xbox controller. I mean,
3: that's I, the... Yeah, I literally, I literally just, just do two controllers, you know, so you can quick swap if you need to.
0: Yeah, I literally just did this over the holiday break. I got the rechargeable kit. Nice. And go. I got uh, 20... I'm all messed up with this camera. I got a 24 pack of batteries. It was like 35, 40 bucks, something like that.
1: And now it's just something I don't have to worry about anymore.
2: Doing this for ages. Great.
1: So there you go. That's the the whole Duracell non story. Just in case, uh, in case it finds its way onto your timeline out there, and you're like, wait a second, what? Now you know. All right, uh, I think probably the last news story we'll do here is one that I suspect we might talk about for a little while, uh, and and Destin is already foaming at the mouth <laughs> because it's about Mass Effect Legendary Edition. And we have a rumored release date. I didn't realize that was that funny. Is it?
3: <laughs> no, just
2: the, the, the when you said that in Destiny's expression, <laughs> you could not look more bored. It was such a really funny way you're doing yes, it. Like, I when you do that. I'm so
3: excited.
1: Please be excited, Destin. Sorry. For Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Uh, not confirmed here, but we have a rumored release date of March 12th this comes so there was a release date from a, a singapore retailer uh and then eurogamer basically corroborated it so it's looking pretty good that this is this is likely accurate march 12th 2021 which is in fact it's january 12th as we record this so exactly 2 months from today uh destin yep. a uh what do you think of of this release window or is there is it a good time for this and b uh are you gonna do another run through and if so absolutely well, yeah i mean are absolutely you going to go, uh paragon renegade what's what's your what is your philosophy for this because you've played this game more than anyone at ign you've played it many many times like the entire trilogy so i want to hear yeah. from you on this first and
3: are
0: you going to be fem this time
3: no um and I thought about that a lot and and why I continue to play as Mail male chef. I'll probably do a fem chef playthrough, but my first one would definitely be male chef. And I think it's because I have a connection to that character as like, that's how I identify with sure. the Mass Effect franchise with the male character, because I played through as him so many times. So it, it it's a little bit, it's a different experience playing through with, with the lead who, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on her name, Miranda. What's the voice actress who did FemShep? Very famous.
2: Jennifer
3: Ashley Hale. Birch. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm blanking on it too. Now we're all... Oh, oh, we're oh all,
2: sorry, internet.
3: We're I'm all frozen right did I not get that
2: right? It was Jennifer, Jennifer Hale. Hale. Yeah, okay. Jennifer Hale. thank you. Like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I thought so. No,
3: I, I heard crosstalk, and I, I heard okay, Ashley okay. Burch, and I was like, no.
2: <laughs> no, 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 not Ashley Burch, but yeah, yeah. Jennifer Hale.
3: Yeah, okay. so... I'm very excited about this edition. I'm curious about how they're going to address the Mako sequences, especially in the original. And like my, my I've read the two sentence quote about how they're updating the game. And I'm really worried that this is just going to be like a 4k texture pack or a 4k update because I can already play that on PC. Right. So I truly hope that they modernize it in the way that we've, we have always hoped. And, um, one thing about the release date that I want to just reiterate, it says it's March 12th. That is a Friday. And oftentimes with retailers, there's two dates that they'll, they'll align with, they'll align with the middle week or the end of the week as a sort of generic, just release date. And this is, a, this has been a practice for retailers for, I don't know, I've been in the industry like 15 years and, <laughs> or something like that, and it's it's always been that way. So I don't I don't know that this ends up being the final release date. What would make more sense is the ninth or the sixteenth, because that's a Tuesday, and Tuesday is typically release day. Or am I am I incorrect in that? I
1: mean, it's Friday is becoming a more common video game release date for sure. So I I wouldn't necessarily put read too much into it.
2: I think especially for the spring season, you see more of those Thursday releases. So that mm-hmm. that is a thing that happens, which is like the Thursday midnight, but is the Friday release. Yeah. So that's going well, on.
3: Yeah. Uh, the one thing that doesn't surprise me is a Q1 release. They said spring. So that's, I think it's like end of March until June or something like that. That's like the spring window. So I would be very happy if it did release in March. Uh, that would be potentially a good time for me to play through it. I don't know. We'll see.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's. <laughs> With a newborn, I, thinking, I mean, yeah. Uh, I think Brandon and I were talking about this off air at some point, point. and typically at, by now, a lot of big games have have planted their flag in the ground on a on a, and nailed down a release date in Q1. And a lot of times, a lot of times it's stuff that didn't make the fall. That's like, okay, well we're, we're you know we're going to be February this or March that. And I feel like because of the pandemic and completely understandably so. The uncertainty and the and the delays that that has caused uh game development and game production that we just don't really have that this year yeah, mean, we math. have yeah, we have hitman in coming up in January and we have the medium at the end of January, but outside of that, there's really not a lot uh in the next couple months as far as big titles go, so uh Miranda, I feel like this could be kind of a good time like where there might not be a ton of other big stuff out a good time to to spend you know 90 or 100 hours running through the trilogy again
2: yes yeah, so as long as we don't have too many other surprises like we still don't know what nintendo's doing aside from their mario re-release like there's still a lot of things that are sort of up in the air as far as um some of i, I know the delayed games from last fall are falling into this time which mass effect is technically one of those um i think it was like the intention or hope was that it was going to come out around N7 day. And of course is not out. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I would assume it would be kind of weird if they didn't try to hit that. But um, I do agree that March is generally just like a great time to sink in dozens of hours into one specific game. Uh, I think we've seen that time and time again. I, I think if the one game that really folks up for me is probably Breath of the Wild, because it was just one of those random sort of spring releases, and that's when we said, oh, hey, this is actually a great time for certain games to release at this point. Um, and I think this is going to be a lot of first time in Mass Effect for a lot of people. So I've, I've yeah. had a lot of people even say that, that, oh, I never played, but this seems like it's a great time to try it out. And I hope that is true for a lot of people and that they'll have the time to, because yeah, what? it's fantastic. <laughs>
3: One of the entries in the Mass Effect franchise, Mass Effect Two, came out on January twenty sixth, and it's honestly it's regarded as one of the best games ever made. So the fact that you can't have a, a major success during that window, during the Q one window, it's just not true. And honestly, I wish more games would come out within within that window.
1: Destin, um, you might remember better than I would, but uh, I think Mass Effect Three was a was a March release itself. March 6th. Wasn't it? yeah.
3: yeah thank you yeah the it, first one, it has all the releases on this page I'm yeah the
1: first one i vividly remember was a november 2007 release because like there were, there were multiple 10 out of 10 video games that came out just for xbox that year no, november 2007 might be the the greatest single month in in xbox history Great. um yeah there were there was some incredible stuff or at least just that season that fall fall 2007 with Halo 3 and, and Rock Band 1 and, and Mass Effect. Um, and I think a few others that I'm immediately forgetting about too. But anyway.
3: And, you know um, you know what? It's it's astounding to me if you look back at what the original Mass Effect was able to accomplish on an Xbox 360. It's astounding and almost inspirational. Yeah. Like Like if they were able to do that on a 360 around launch like how many years out did mass effect come or it was like within the first year right ryan
1: uh well no it was basically at the second anniversary of the console effectively because it, it was two november 22nd 2005 was the 360 launch so it was the end of the second year
3: yeah and I've been largely wondering, like, if that would have come out today, would it still be regarded as highly? Or would we be tearing apart the walking animations and the the frame rate stutters and the texture popping? Oh, that would have been
2: a stuff. different game if it came yeah. out today. Yeah.
3: No, I'm just saying, like, let's say a game like Mass Effect Launch, and it had some of the problems that 360 had. I'm just wondering if it would have been as celebrated. It's just something that's been on my mind lately about... Just about games, just in general, and how we kind of tear them apart if there's yeah, anything true. wrong That's with them. Cool. Even Last of Us Two, which is many people's game of the year, remember how controversial that was leading up to launch and then even after launch.
1: Yeah, well, that was like, more of, that was more of uh, the the controversy, and I'm using air quotes for anybody listening on audio. Mm-hmm. Was more about the content rather than the technical any technical aspects. You know that that was not a cyberpunk situation or it was a. Yeah. 'Cause that, that was Mass Effect one too, where you know the long elevator rides, the frame rate wasn't super great, some of the animations, but um but yeah, uh Brandon, are did did you play the you did you rock the trilogy in the day? Or are you gonna run this again? Man, keep moving. I'm <laughs>
0: not, not a Mass
1: Effect, but I did play one. Isn't I think. the Witcher three like your one of your favorite games ever? So you love Western RPGs. This one
0: just yeah, doesn't do it for you
1: it's the sci-fi elements for it
0: i'm not a huge sci-fi guy Uh, i appreciate it i really do um but i don't appreciate it enough to want to like really dive into that universe you know i'd much rather take a fantasy rpg and like get to know all the different elements of that than than dig in with mass effect but what i played from the first one i really enjoyed and i think i finished it i got to the end i don't want to spoil anything
1: because no don't yeah
0: um, but I, I, got to the end and I was like, holy crap, that's a great story. And then two came out and I dabbled and I was, it just wasn't for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's uh, like, I'm the same way with, uh, I, I definitely lean fantasy myself. Like I, I love elder scrolls. I like fallout. So yeah. that's, mm-hmm. I, I kind of relate to that.
3: And that's why um, they make both. Right. That, right. The bookends of the first game storytelling wise are just so damn good. They're strong. <laughs> like yeah. it, yeah. I, I don't think any of the Mass Effects since have been able to touch the story of the first one. I really Agreed. truly adore the story of Saren and how they handled the storytelling of the characters. Sorry. I'm oh, mad. and
1: and your your goal and your your quest to become you know who you become is mm-hmm. uh is just so good. And well, and for me the 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 first one especially compared to the second one. Um, I know a lot of people love two, and I I like two a lot. For me, I'm a Mass Effect one guy that. One felt like a space opera to me which I think is what they were going for where it felt big it felt you know this as you guys said the story is phenomenal the the citadel felt like an enormous place where the universe really would come together in mass effect 2 they literally reduced the citadel to like two rooms like two big rooms it was that was one of the changes for two. I didn't, I really I, didn't I, care for. It. I mean, they probably had data on that, right? Like, what's Maybe that? Not back then. I don't know. I'm not sure how much telemetry they would have had in, in 2007.
0: Yeah. But I, I mean, anecdotally speaking, I, I, I fall into the same thing, even when it is fantasy, right? Like, uh, what was the game with Kurt uh, Schilling's 38 Studios? It was uh, Kingdoms oh, of uh, yes. Dude, amazing author great storytelling gameplay was fun but like walking from point a to point b there's about 12 different npcs and they all have 17 pages of dialogue and you just got i got to a point where it was like overwhelming you know um and for people who really do like to like explore all the nooks and crannies like a size can or an area can be too large in size right and too much to do too many things to see uh you get um i don't know it's just you get anxious you get overwhelmed by it so i
2: I I will say it about the Mass Effect games. Like the first one I think is regarded as the best story, like as a overall encompassing, whereas two is so much more about the characters. And I think that's where Mass Effect really excels. Like you find these characters and some of them, and there's a handful of them that are my favorite characters of all time just from Mass Effect because they're that good. And then three is kind of like the culmination of everything with I think gameplay is like the best it is. At least for me, right. I thought it was best.
1: Yeah, the, the loyal the loyalty missions in two are I think better than the overall plot. I of agree. Two. The,
2: the uh, overall like, plot of two is a little weak. <laughs>
1: it's it's kind of bad. And like even three, you know, three still, of course, is remember it's it's got the reputation with the ending. But for me, okay. Even if you didn't like the ending and of Mass Effect Three, the the events leading right up to the ending which again i won't spoil i think were great like the whole that whole sequence heading towards the finale was was phenomenal and yeah i, I can't wait to see this in uh in 4k and running smoothly cuz yeah it, destin you you reminded me i hadn't thought about it in years but mass effect 1 probably ran at like 20 something frames per second on the, it's on in- the 3 it did not run smoothly, not at all. And it was a you know, it was a gorgeous game. Don't get me wrong. It was it was a next generation. It was Unreal Engine. I think that would have been Unreal two point five uh, on at that point. And and it was gorgeous. But yeah, it it definitely pushed the three sixty to its limit technically. My,
3: my last playthrough was when they sort of enhanced it on the Xbox One, I believe. That's the last time I played through the trilogy. And yeah, yeah there is definitely improvements to your point about the ending. Um, yeah, you know that that was really hard for a lot of people. I think they really wanted to see an ending where it was much more unique per the choices that you made through for the franchise, sure. and and yeah. and the whole palette swap thing. Just it was really frustrating to see because we had been told all of your choices are going to matter at the at the finale of this, and Bioware seemed to have run into a problem. We're like, well, how do we actually do that logistically? Right, and when you start thinking about you know, like 150 dialogue choices and different outcomes. Developing for that also, like, is tremendously challenging. So, so that was another aspect that they would have had to deal with at the time. Well, it's, uh, it's truly a fascinating. It's just a fascinating trilogy, and it will always hold a special place in my in my memories. And I'm really excited to play through Legendary Edition, regardless uh-huh. of if it's good or not.
1: <laughs> I'm with you. I mean, they're they're really. Say what you will, however you feel about the Mass Effect trilogy, but there, it really was a a, a game design and storytelling experiment that I think the, the, at at a scale of which we haven't really seen in video games. Like, I mean, The Witcher, are, each of them are are these giant, wonderful open world role playing games, but they don't like Mass Effect tried to tell this continuous story arc across a trilogy with each game being 40 plus hours where as you said your choices would matter and you mm-hmm. could play it you could be good you could be evil and i we maybe haven't seen anything like that before or since i mean so. dragon age does it right yeah yeah dragon age inquisition i think was the
3: last one that was at the sure. time, a little bit controversial, but longer term, I think a lot of people were really, really receptive to the storytelling and in Inquisition and the options that, you know, you wound up being able to choose. I don't think Anthem hit the right note with people. I don't think... I recently just started playing through that again. They they never recaptured that magic, not even with Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah. It's, it's not... Yeah, I don't know. I, I have hopes for Mass Effect 4, and I also have concerns. I'm like, without Drew, you know, outlining the story from start to finish without the key storytellers. Yeah, I'm sure Mac Walters is still there, but he came on for Mass Effect 2 and then finished up the trilogy with 3 and then, you know, did the DLC which is largely K.G. It's just it's just going to be I just really are they going to be able to recapture that magic with 4 because largely they've been struggling with that. And yeah. now Casey's gone and the writer of Dragon Age Inquisition is gone. So
1: We'll see. Yeah. I mean, uh, super producer John Borba throwing out Kotor, also Bioware, also the yeah. Mass Effect
3: team. Also written by okay. Drew Carpition. That's yeah, also that was, where they started that,
1: right? That was one game. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about like Kotor, or Ma- excuse me, Kotor. Mass Effect was a, a three game arc. So it's Probably just a, never yeah. seen anything like that. So, all right. Uh, let's move on to the loot box. I promised we'd talk about Starfield some more. So let's hear from Bradley in england hi bradley here from england um last week you spoke about the xbox exclusives coming out this year my question is about uh, the xenomax studios um and whether you think that any of those studios will launch anything this year um exclusive to the xbox platform and also what do you think the likelihood is that starfield is a coming out this year and B, will be exclusive to the Xbox ecosystem. Thank you. An excellent and relevant topic for this week's show as it worked out. In fact, I had that loot box question picked out a while ago and then the then the Indiana Jones thing happened. So that worked out swimmingly. Miranda, uh, Starfield, when and it, are they gonna rein that one in as an Xbox exclusive, do you think?
2: says next year at the earliest I think especially with the pandemic and how we've seen it impact game development we've seen developers talk about the challenges that they go through with you know being remote if there was even a hope for it being this year I think that was probably just not going to happen and given reception of recent Bethesda games I think they do need to make sure that this game is really a quality release that is a solid first entry and potentially it could be a new IP for them, right? Um, like a, a big new series, of course, new IP, but bigger new series and not just a one-off game. So they want to make sure that they really get this right. So I would say 2022 at the earliest, I think there's a good chance that it, it could be exclusive. Uh, Brandon, I know we've gone back and forth on it all the time, yeah, but. Yeah. Brandon,
1: how, where do you land on this
0: one? I mean, I don't, Miranda's hundred percent, my opinion. So what exactly what she said, I think that they are way too cautious uh, and rightfully so coming off of, you know, four and then fall at 76. And, and there's just, there's been too many missteps that I think they are going to take it very slow. Uh, and now, especially they have the backing of Microsoft, they don't have to rush it. Right. So um, I don't think it's this year. I don't know if it's next year, but uh is 100% right where if they don't knock the first game out of the park and start that new franchise and, and create that need for more the way that Mass Effect 1 hit Destiny, yeah. um then you know what are they what are they doing right so
1: Great uh, point yeah. and you think you think Xbox exclusive on this one
0: I, I don't know again this question I hope we don't have to talk about it every I know. week until 2023 <laughs> um I don't know we'll see uh if if there was a candidate for an xbox exclusive i think starfield would be the earliest one um but again we we just don't know
3: because we haven't seen what their publishing strategy is like yet
1: destin real quick what do you how about where do you stand on this one
3: at a bare minimum Starfield will have exclusive content similar to what destiny had for the playstation when destiny came out exclusive like Let's pretend it's like a Destiny game: exclusive strikes and uh, exclusive weapons, exclusive things on the Xbox platform. That's basically a given, and Microsoft has basically said as much. As for my opinion on to whether or not it will be an Xbox exclusive, I, I do think it will be an Xbox exclusive.
1: Uh, and I'm with you to finish this up. I think uh, there, you know, the Elder Scrolls w- is much further away, and that's <clears throat> that's a, we've already discussed that one a lot. Uh, Starfield is a new IP. There are no uh, preconceived expectations expectations of platform or of anything. Uh, And and it is a new IP, uh, potentially a new franchise from Todd Howard and his team. Uh, I I think it's the perfect game that even if it was previously planned for PS5, as I'm sure it was, I think this is the one where Microsoft says, no, this one one we're going to use to bring in some new people to the Xbox ecosystem. I think I would be shocked if this game ever came to PlayStation five. And as for when it might come, I mean, they have been working on it for a while. Remember, I mean, it's been, it's been a long process. I mean, you guys are totally right about needing to take all the time they need to, to get off on the right foot, particularly pandemic. And now they've got the extra security of Microsoft as Brandon, you mentioned. Um, Now with fallout four, they did the, What seemingly worked very well for them, which was announce it right before E3, show it at E3, and then ship it that fall, that very short uh, hype window, you would think, well, maybe they'll try to do that again for this, which means if it is a 2022 game, we won't even hear about it again until next year. I I think they're going to announce it this year. Uh, there have been there have been little leaks about it. There've you know they've they have addressed it uh, before. I think this is going to be the a game that we see. This is going to be one of the big moments of Microsoft's E3 or whatever their summer you know showcase uh, press press conference is. Uh, so I think we will see it announced this year, even if it's not out until yeah. next. Year. Bradley, thank you so much for your yapa question. And I invite all of you to submit your video question for the panel, the loop box. You can do that by going to the Unlocked 477, this episode's article page on IGN. Scroll down and uh, write in the comment section just above that. You'll see Yappa, leave a Yappa comment. It's, you know, gotcha. it's very easy. So uh, log in with Facebook, discuss, uh, LinkedIn or Google, or if you want to make a Yappa account, you can do that too, but the point is you don't have to. And leave us your question, just as Bradley did, and you might be featured on an upcoming episode of Podcast Unlocked. All right, quickly, let's get to the Unlocked Block Trivia. This is going to be like rapid fire, because we are about out of time. <laughs> but since we're all here, I want to get started. We're, we got a fresh new year. Uh, Alec, whose gamer tag is Danzenator410, asks... During the 360 generation, it was common for Xbox 360 games to require multiple discs. And he's certainly right about that as the generation wore on. He says, which of these games during its first release, so not any kind of re-release with extra content or anything, which of these games during its initial release shipped with only one disc? So you have three multi-disc games here and one single disc game. Name the single disc release. (laughs) Batman Arkham City... Assassin's Creed 3, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, or Halo 4. I'm going to go, uh, let's see, Brandon's our champion from last year, so I'm going to go to him last. I'll go uh, Miranda's way first on this.
2: She got Brandon He one last time. We gets see honor of going first for the rest of the year. How dare
1: you? How dare you?
0: For
2: <laughs> the rest of the year.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I honestly can't remember. I also
2: don't know either. AC3
0: um,
3: is Black Flag, right? No, well, it's, AC, it's AC three
0: uh, is the uh revolutionary war. Thank you. Yes.
2: Great.
0: Start Connor. He parkour. Oh two. yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with AC three. I'm not gonna give my explanations because I don't wanna I don't wanna help out Moran. Well, we're
1: going quick anyway here.
2: I I, so can't, be, I, can't, I, uh, I I conned you into answering before me anyway. I, I, I actually don't you. know this either. I'm gonna Miranda go because- with I want to be different. I'm doing different. I don't remember this, but Batman. Arkham city.
3: Okay.
1: Destin that leaves you. Do you want to go with one of the other two or, or go your own way here?
3: I did three of these guides. I know <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I did ac three IGN <laughs> first and the, and the video walkthrough for it really buggy at the end. I did all of Arkham city. I worked on halo four with Miranda. Um, Okay, and so here's the me. answer. I wasn't Which, an Metal, idea. Gear, Metal Gear. Oh, I'm go going Halo 5 then. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going with, Destin? Oh, I'll, I'll say. Um, this is so tough. I'll say AC3. Okay. All, <laughs> All right, right so. Don't, don't just ride my coattails. Think for
1: yourself. <laughs> uh, Miranda, you've won this week. Congratulations, yeah. Batman, Arkham City. One disc, everything else was two discs. Great work. Great question from Alec. Uh, if you want to try and stump the panel, I actually, I am in need of a refresh of some good Xbox trivia questions. You know, nothing too obscure, but something that somebody would have a reasonable chance of knowing or or trying to think through. As uh, as I think, Alec, that was a good question there. So you can email in your trivia question to unlocked at IGN.com. Terrible question. <laughs> <laughs> your Your name, your question, the multiple choice, four multiple choice answers, and please note the correct answer in your email. So great job, Alec. And with that, we will hit the road. Uh, again, I'll, uh, my plug for this week is my Hitman 3 final preview. I played it on PC. Haven't played it on the Series X yet, but uh, it's really fun. Check out my final preview on IGN or YouTube, and you can find me on Twitter at DMC Ryan. Brandon Tyrell.
0: Uh, Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Tyrell. I have nothing to plug. I'm not working on anything that you can see right now. So uh, stay tuned, I guess, is the only thing that I can
3: say. Sounds good. Destin. You can find me on Amazon.com slash baby registry. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, twittercom slash uh, Destin. Uh, Is it just Destin? Jeez, whatever <laughs> just What's google it? my name and look for whatever you're looking for it's not gonna matter for like the next two months two months anyway so yeah yeah i mean course, that, hopefully, you're I hopefully, hopefully,
1: hopefully you're on the show next week but if not we under we will understand and certainly congratulate you and your lovely
2: past
3: 37 now so anytime anytime miranda take us home
2: yeah i mean that's having with a k um pretty much anywhere I don't have anything big to plug. Just use IGN guides. And I guess also tonight I'm starting Psychonauts, in my personal Twitch. And that's, of course, how it grows because I figured if I don't remember Psychonauts, probably good <laughs> chance other people don't. So let's all remember it together and I'm going to play it. Also, um uh, here's Ari because everyone liked seeing oh. her last week. So thank you guys for the Ari shout outs. Yes. Fluff. Here she um. is.
1: You stream, so not everybody listens to the show right away on Tuesday. So for future reference, do you do your personal streams on which days? Tuesday?
2: Yeah, I do um, game stream weekly on Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. PT. And then I do a late night Thursday stream for just chill indie games, which is really cool. So going through a bunch of different things that you may not have heard of. And then Sundays I at 11.30 a.m. PT, I stream stationary, which is ex- extra fun.
1: That's my favorite. Awesome. Thanks. Well, great stuff. Uh, Everybody, great work. Great to see all of you. This was Unlocked 477. We shall return in just one week's time.